0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Been doing a funny thing this summer. Um, he, you know, he plays a lot of golf. I think it's a lot of golf, but that's probably in the eye of the uh budgeter, right? Um, but he's been playing some golf and he plays regularly with one friend, one neighbor. And um instead now of just going out and enjoying a beautiful weekend morning or a sunset what is it called when it's sunset um Twilight round um and enjoying just the beauty of the environment and keeping track of your his score you know like how how did I do this week or keeping track of maybe like how are my drives today am I am, am i getting long drives like my yardage here right instead of keeping track of just those type of evaluations and like you know my front nine versus my back nine well now he has added a whole other track tracker. Beyond just the scorecard on the driving wheel there, he's added a tracker and he has a whole nother ledger and he's keeping track of his wins versus his friend. So it's not just about that total score. It is, do I come out on top? Above this one guy, right? And so he has a whole nother spreadsheet where he has his win column and his loss column. And, and every time he plays, again, not just about the one score. Now there's this whole other level of competition. Do I get to put a tick mark in my win column against this guy? Right? And I, and I think about this and I think you know, this is funny. This is like strange and funny and a whole nother, you know, a whole nother thing where you have a really bad day because you lost to this guy, right? Or a really good day because you beat him. But I, in so many ways, I I get this. We, we do this in one way or another, that there is something in us and we want to keep track of how we are doing compared to people around us. We want a few areas in our life where we know, we want to know, am I coming out on top here, right? Am I coming out above the others? And I believe that evaluation is just in the core of the human experience. We are constantly evaluating ourselves. Think about this for a second. When you're born at birth, your first moments of life do you know they give you a score <laughs> and on this APGAR scale from 1 to 10? The first thing that they do with you is they give you a score, a number value. And then they say 8 pounds, 3 ounces, 21 inches long, and they put you on a, in a percentile, don't they? Here's where you measure up. This is the first thing declared over us as people. Right? And I think in so many ways it just represents the world we live in and the pressures around us, but it doesn't stop there, right? Think about elementary school and, and honestly, when I think back over my kids elementary school, what kind of sticks out is the map testing that would happen fall, Winter, spring, right? Like, where do you fall? Are you growing? What kind of growth do you have? And then it it goes on from there. And we spend our whole 15th year of our life prepping for one test, don't we? one test, that driver's test that's coming down That right way. This it's a big, huge focus. I got to pass this test. And then we go, we go on. And in high school, we, you know, the, our, we feel like our future depends on what college we get into. And that's based on our ranking, isn't it? How do you compare to your classmates? What's your GPA? How was your test, your SAT, ACT test score compared to everyone else, right? And then we go on and we get a job and we want to know, how do I compare to my co- Am I, am I a good coworker? Is, am I doing well for my boss? Am I performing? Am I, am I a good friend? Am I a good parent? How am I doing as a husband? Am I good at my hobbies? Right? We want to know, even in our hobbies, where do I stack up? Am I a good pickleball player? Am I better than that person on the court next to me or not? Right? Am I, am I, how many followers do I have in this current moment? And whether we realize it or not, coming out on top somewhere, somewhere or many places is really, really important to us. We want to pass the test with flying colors, whatever that means. (laughs) We want, we want it, don't we? Right. And this desire, I believe guys actually comes from our design. We know that we're made in the image of God and that in that very design is a spirit of excellence. Isn't it? You think about what God did from the very beginning, in the very beginning, from creation, right? He stepped back, he he made creation. And what did he do at the end of the day? He stepped back and he evaluated it and he spoke over it. Well done. Very good. Good, very good, that he would look out what he made and he would say, yes, I did well here. And his, we are made in this image, aren't we? That we too carry the spirit of excellence and we recognize that there is something in us that we long for that same satisfaction of knowing what I have done is good at the end of the day. And we want a test score like this man, Daniel. In his day of testing, this hero of faith in the Old Testament. And I want us to look for just a minute at his test score and how he did in his day of testing. And we're going to really land for the most part today in the that first chapter of Daniel. So if you have a Bible and want to see it, there's some in front of you, open it up. If not, I'll have the scripture here. But here is the day of testing. I want you, as I read this, I want you to look for the evaluation. How did he do on this test? So here's what we read. At the end of the time set by the king for their training, the head of the royal staff brought them, so this is Daniel and his friends, to Nebuchadnezzar the king. When the king interviewed them, here's his day of testing, he found them far superior to all the other young men. None were a match for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. None were a match. And it goes on to say, so they took their place in the king's service. Whenever the king consulted them on anything, on books or on life, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his kingdom put together. Wow. Well done, Daniel. Well done. A test before the king. But do you see what it said they're found far superior, far superior. none were a match, ten times better than everybody. The wisest put together. This is a a test result that is off the charts, isn't it? Daniel off the charts. And so I want us to go back for a second and look at his prep work. What did he do to prepare for his day of testing to get a result like that to be able to say at the end of the day, wow, you know, like, well done, I did this. Well, what was his prep work life? And what can we learn for our life full of testing? for our life full of evaluation, because what I want us to do, I feel like this is the call. This has been on my heart recently is I want us to, to be a people that we can look back and we go, we prepared, right? Right. Is there anything worse than studying and, and like reading the wrong chapter for the test? Right? Like I thought we were, no, oh, I thought this is what we were doing here. No, no, no. I want us to be a people who are prepared and I want us to get the prep work right. So we're going to go back. And just look ahead, look before what came before this so we can get the preparation right. So here really quickly is the background for this prep work. Here's what was happening in this day. There's this King Nebuchadnezzar and he is out for like world domination. And so he has been going out and conquering surrounding nations. And as he, as he he would conquer a nation, he would take captive the best of the, that land. And he would take them back to Babylon to his, uh his, his uh, kingdom, to his palace. And he would train them and make them be just like the other Babylonians, so that they would go rule on his behalf back in these places, because he just needed he needed rulers that were like him that would that would rule on his behalf. And so this is where we meet Daniel. Daniel is one of these captives as Nebuchadnezzar has come and conquered Israel, Jerusalem. He's taken Daniel and and the best of the land with him, and he brought them back to Babylon. And this is what we see in Daniel one in verse four. He, he grabbed the best of that land and Daniel was one of them. And he said this, he said that they, he sent them into training and he gave them, uh, he taught them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And then in verse five, the king assigned them to a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. So this is a training period. And in this training period, it's all focused on teaching uh, language and literature and culture and you know, history and customs of the, the Babylonians. Um, and they were taught well and they were fed well. That's all the information we got. This is how you're going to become like us. We're going to teach you well and we're going to feed you the best food available in the kingdom. And here's Daniel. He's taken from Jerusalem, which is the center of God worship, Yahweh worship, the one and only true God that he lived for, that, uh, that, that he served. And he's taken and he's forced to this foreign land under this foreign king, this pagan king. And he's forced into this future that's put on him, right? He's taken from his family, his people his church, his small group, his ways, the future that, that he was heading for. And he is, is forced into a different way of life. He's forced into service. He's forced into a culture that is completely pagan. That is like anti-God. It's not neutral. It's anti-God, right? Because God worship is based on the fact, no, you one true God, one true God. And he's forced into this this world of like a thousand gods and all these like rituals. And he's forced into this life. Now, we just want to pause for a second. Does this sound like a backdrop for excellence? You know, like, if you think about this for a second, this seems like this is going to be an impossible test to pass, Daniel. Like you are forced into something that is like wicked and it's evil. And, and these people expect this of you and they're defining who you're going to be and what you're going to do with your life. And, and, you know, where we're going to, they're going to put you somewhere. It's like, you know, he's just this slave, this captive to this pagan God. And in case we think that all of our circumstances have to line up for something good to happen, if all of our circumstances have to be in place, if we kind of have this expectation, you know what, nothing good is going to happen here. Do you see what's going on in my life right now, right? If we think that it's all based on our circumstances, just ticking along a golden road to be able to do anything of value to be able to make an impact, to be excellent. Well, let's just get some comfort for Dan from Daniel's life from his story here. Because he chose none of this. And it was all anti-anything he had ever lived for, right? So that's kind of the backdrop, the backdrop of what happens. And if you're look following around along in chapter one, here's the next bit. Here is where we zero in on the prep work. Okay, verse eight. But Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. And he decided this. He's like, I am not going to eat this. And so he goes to the guy in charge of his food, and he says, listen, I, I don't want to eat what everyone else is eating. This food has been served to pagan gods. And so he says, listen, do us a favor. I want you to test us. And for 10 days, just give us a simple diet of vegetables and water. Vegetables and water only. And so the steward agrees, there's favor on him. And the steward agrees and fed him vegetables and water for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked better and more robust than all the others who had been eating from the Royal menu. Here is the simple one plan track for his prep work. Daniel didn't defile himself with the food that was offered to the pagan gods. He denied himself of this royal table, the food and the drink he could have And he decided that he wasn't going to defile himself, which means he was going to keep himself clean. He was going to separate himself out from that. And so here is, I see his prep work. It was obedience, obedience, and what he could control in his life. Remember this, all this Babylonian culture and ways and literature has been pressing, pressing in him and pressing on him. And what could he control? How could he keep himself set apart from God in this moment? he could do it. He could keep himself pure by fasting. This is what this was. He was fasting the rich food and the rich drink of the king's table. And I want us to get a little bit deeper here. And this decision wasn't, in case we're wondering, this is not a diet with its natural benefits. This was all about what was going on in Daniel's heart. And in this moment, in his heart, he was um, separating himself out from this pagan culture. And he was saying, but my heart is still holding on to the living God. That my heart is still trusting. My heart is still waiting. My heart is still hoping for God in his ways. And this is the only way that I can represent it here in this foreign land, is I can keep my heart pure by, by fasting, by denying myself the the comfort in the strength and the delight maybe of this this king's table it was keeping his heart clear it was keeping it still in worship of the living god in this culture it was all he could do and when the test came he was ready wasn't he? I mean, guys, I'm not making this up. This is what the scripture says. It goes from this, this bit of prep work right into found superior. No one, no, out, outplayed everyone. No one was a match in all of the kingdom. And so here's what I want to do, guys. I want to make a case today for us to fast as powerful prep work too. I want to make a case that I I can't get around. I can't deny what was happening here and the results that God brought so that like Daniel, we can keep our hearts open and clutter free that we too can see the results uh, of the the testing that Daniel saw, that we could see results like this in our day, that when we are pressed, that we're pressed, out comes the spirit of the living God. That we are, when we're desperate, when we're in need, and when we're tried, out comes the wisdom of God, the creativity of God, the goodness of God. Out comes something that is way beyond us, our personalities, our abilities, our intellect alone. Out comes what only God could put in. Can we look for just a second at what happens when we fast? So here are a couple fasting foundations. The first and foremost, this is what the heart of fasting is. It's turning from something you can get toward something only God can give. This is what it's all about at the foundation of it. So, guys, Daniel had a right to the king's table. He did. He had a right. It was maybe one advantage of the whole terrible situation was lunchtime and dinner time and breakfast, right? It's one perk of being taken to this foreign place. It's one perk of the training that he is going through, right? Remember, he's everything else he had no choice. It's forced upon him where he's living, his career. But here's the deal: he emptied himself of this perk. He did. He set himself apart. He emptied himself and he could have talked himself into feasting in the season. Like everyone else, he could have talked. I deserve this, right? Like I deserve, I can have this. This is going to bring, this is going to be good. Like, you know, God gave me taste buds. I use that a lot, right? He could have said, I'll just pray before I eat. Right? Like, does it really matter? It's just food. I mean, I'm swimming in a pagan culture. Does it matter that the food is pagan too? Right but he humbled himself. He humbled himself in obedience to turn down this extravagant food. And as he humbled himself and emptied himself of what he could get, he got what God could give. He got what God could give. And he decided that he actually needed help from God in this season, not what he could get from from the advantages of the situation. Here's how I know this. Later on, we get a little bit more detail in Daniel 9. And this is when Daniel faces another challenge. And this is what it says. He said, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So here's the, the bottom line of what a, what a fast is like for Daniel. I turn my face to God. I turned my face to God. This is, this is it. This is what he was doing away from the comfort and the strength and maybe the distraction of something on earth to, to get what God could give from heaven, turning towards God in fasting, seeking him in fasting. And how do we know that he's turning to God for help and strength and wisdom? Because it says that he paired his, his, uh, his fast with, do you see this prayers and pleas. God, I need what you can give. I'm turning to you for your strength, your wisdom, your, you making sense in this terrible circumstance. I need what you have, your perspective. I'm here facing your ability, not mine. And so here's what I see that he did. He paired it up and it's pair, it's prayers and pleas with his potatoes and peas, right? With his veggie diet, he paired these things together, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm turning from what I could get to you, and you come. I need you here. I need what you can bring—prayers and pleas—with his potatoes and peas. And when when we when we pair fasting and prayer, guys, we we see what God breaks, and we see in Isaiah fifty-eight. And I'm going to go through this really fast, but here's Isaiah 58. The whole chapter is about fasting and it gives us fasting from God's perspective. But I want us to see what happens when we pray and fast. Here's what it says in Isaiah 58. It says this, it says that healing appears. It says like, look, at it. it says, but God, here's what God gives. When we empty ourselves here, those, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. This is the then of fasting. Do you see all these thens? Goodness gracious, the light breaking into the darkness. Anyone feel like there's a little bit of darkness going on in their life or around their life or in their circumstance or in the world fast fast. Then the light breaks in. Then healing will appear quickly. Anyone need healing? Anyone know someone who needs healing? Anyone need a lifting of, of pain, a lifting of oppression? Have we tried pairing fasting and prayer together? Because it says then your healing will appear quickly. Look at this. Then righteousness will go before you and glory behind. I want to be surrounded like that. I want that then in my life, righteousness and glory before and behind. Then God answers. How many times have we been like, God, I need to know. I need an answer from you. I need to know what you have here. That's the then of fasting. This is what God is saying happens as we turn to him with fasting. It's what Daniel saw poured in in his emptiness, didn't he? Again, like visions, understanding uh, of all, uh, what does it say? Sorry, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, understanding in all visions and dreams, which would save his life down the road. By the way, he emptied himself and God gave the then of fasting in his life. It says that the hand of God was on them. None was like Daniel, 10 times better. That's God's math, guys, isn't it? that we empty ourselves, that we follow in obedience and God comes in 10 times better. We give up something that can set ourselves apart and God goes, okay, now I will add here. In fact, I will multiply right here. This is the way of God. This is the way of the kingdom. When you fast, I'll add like you never could into your life. It's amazing. It's amazing. So why don't I fast? Why don't we fast guys? Why? Maybe we think that this um, outranking type excellence in life is just for the Daniels, right? Just for back then in that day. Maybe we think uh, that, uh, that God won't really appear or break into my life. Not for me, not in my life. Maybe we don't think that the payoff is going to be worth the pain of that breakfast or that lunch or that dinner. I don't know. I don't think that that when it comes down to it, I really believe the then of fasting will be poured into my life. I think it's a belief issue for me. that I don't really believe that these things are going to happen. And I think in so many ways, it was just like did Noah not really believing that an ark was going to save him one day, right? And so I'm making this case, guys, that we do the things that God said to do because he, God, he knows what's coming down the road. He knows the day of testing that's ahead for each of us each of us. And so I'm asking us, I'm asking us to believe what Jesus said. And here's what Jesus teaches in Matthew six. Jesus, this whole thing is he's teaching his disciples and he lays it out for them. And he says, listen, here's what's going to happen. He says this, when you give to the needy, okay, he's giving us this, these instructions for the future. He's like, listen, when you give, here's how you give, do it in private. And then there's a follow-up and your the Father will reward you, right? Okay, so when you give, yeah, yeah, we get that, we get that. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 5, and when you pray, and when you pray, you're going to give, you're going to pray, and when you pray, pray in private, and again, the Lord will see you and he will what? Reward you, exactly. And then he goes on to say this in 16, and when you fast, right, when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, and uh, Derek Print. Prince put this all together for me because I never saw it before that he's Jesus. When he's teaching this way, there's a parallel between these three things, giving to the needy, praying and fasting, and he's putting them all on the same level. And the assumption was that the followers would do all three of these things on a regular basis, That these would be a foundational of our walk with him. Right. And he's saying that when you do all of three of these things, he's putting them together, but he's also saying all three of them are just as powerful. And I think that we put in a hierarchy, right? That we believe that um, that prayer, yes, prayer is powerful, right? Giving to the needy, it will do that occasionally, right? And fasting, Lent, Friday night, right? Like once, because we don't think that they're all three as powerful, that they're going to all three be as effective, that all three will be rewarded from the Father who sees them, and that they are before him. But Jesus is putting them all together, and he's saying, you're going to do these things. These are going to be the foundations of your life. And all three of them are just as powerful. So that means that we need to believe that fasting is just as powerful as prayer, right? That we go to it just as quickly and just as often as we pray. That's what I'm asking for us. That God will bring the then of fasting, his power and provision. Okay. Quick little, you guys, I'm like, roll. I'm like so aware of the time. Are we okay? Okay. <sighs> Okay, okay. All right, so here are quick nitty-gritties of fasting. Just to make it super, super clear, in case we don't know, fasting, <laughs> abstaining from food and drink, taking a break for a set time and purpose. And really what it's about is embracing that an emptiness, a space for God, again, to bring what he wants to bring. And um, and for some of us, um, if we're thinking about uh, uh, what we want to fast, how we figure out what are we going to fast? Well, here's what I would say. What comforts you? What do you run to? What do we use to reward ourselves? What might be a black hole of distraction in our life? And I, I would encourage us that um, as we fast, as we think about what we could take out, um, I, I would think about guys. This is actually way more than physical, because again, that's a diet. That this is actually unto something. It's a spiritual activity. That we don't clutter up if we're fasting. Um, if we are are taking a, a, you know, say like we fast breakfast, that we actually again pair that up with a spiritual expectation. That something is going to move in the spirit. And so we don't clutter up that time and that space. And what if medically, if, you know, medically possible, I would, I would encourage us to try to fast a meal. And one of my favorite ways to do it is breakfast. Like maybe, you know, you don't eat after dinner and you fast breakfast until like one o'clock. You can get like, you know, a good chunk of fast in there. Or maybe for some of us, we could do um, breakfast and um, lunch. And again, like spending extra time, that time that you would maybe spend in like meal prep and clean up just before the Lord in worship. Before the Lord with God, come, I need what you can bring. I need your ability. I need your wisdom in this place, pairing it with like a spiritual expectation. And that's what I'm asking us to do is to kind of start going, you know what? I'm actually putting more stock in the spirit than in the physical, than in what could happen in the natural and what I could do in this situation. And here's why guys, here's why this is so, so, so important. Where's my scripture? Here's the deal guys. God is pouring out. God is pouring out that ever since the beginning of time, what God has done from the very first time we meet him is he comes and he moves in a void, doesn't he? He starts filling the void and the emptiness and the space with his creative ability, with his wisdom, with his strength, with things that would, would be unimaginable and we could never dream up. He fills the skies and he fills the seas and he, he fills our body with his breath. Guys, he is a giver first and foremost, and he has never stopped giving, that he is a God who pours out and he fills in uh, with real goodness and real strength and real understanding. And Jesus taught us, he taught us how to catch what God is pouring out. And he did this in Mark 2. And and um, while I tell a little bit about this scripture, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out an illustration here. But in Mark 2, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees are like, Jesus, Kev, is there a, like a, well, maybe this stool. Can you grab the other stool over there? So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and they're all saying, Jesus, why aren't people fasting? Like, why aren't your disciples fasting? And Jesus starts answering and he starts answering by teaching with this lesson. And he says this, he starts talking to them about wine. And he says, listen, here's the deal. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. And you might go like, Jesus, this is so strange. Why are you talking about wine and wine skins in this moment? Why are, what, what's the deal with wine and wine skins? Well, here's the deal. I believe that he is explaining something foundational to us. And he tells us this, I'm sorry. I need like six hands. He's like, here's your life. Here's your life. Right. And, And you've got this wine skin and it's full. And, and here I am, I'm a God who longs to pour out. I'm a God who pours out. I'm a God who pours in. I've always wanted to give, and I approach your life and I'm like, okay, all right. Hey, hey, okay. Here's some wisdom and some creativity and oh, there, that's all you can hold, right? That's it. That's it. And Jesus is saying, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get rid of this wine skin. Sorry, I'm trying. What? Okay. I want you. Get get rid of that wine skin, empty yourself, empty yourself. And here I am pouring out and I have all of this. I have, wait, I have to open it. <laughs> I'm I have creativity. I have wisdom. I have abundance. I have my, my voice. I have my kindness. I just want to pour it in. I want to pour it in. So get empty and fasting and I can fill you up. Like you couldn't imagine. I could fill you up with goodness and kindness And wisdom, right? Like we want to hold what God is pouring out. This is my main point here. We want the emptiness that we can, we can be containers, that our containers can be ready for where the God of creation, the God who was from the beginning, the God who is coming back, the God who has the beginning and the end. The God who loves to, to be gracious to us. The God who loves to manifest himself, share his majesty and his glory with us. We want to hold what he is pouring out, don't we church? So can we get our containers ready? Can we beat people who will say, you know what? I'm going to set myself apart with some fasting. Because God, you said this is the way that the container gets ready. This is the way that we now then display the excellence of our God in the day of testing, in the day that we stand before kings and bosses and friends and neighbors, in the day that they evaluate and outcomes what only God could put in. Can we do that? Can we do that? It's going to be costly. I think it'll be worth it. All right, let's stand up and I'm going to pray this over us. So God here we are here we are your beloved your people. And we say in this day we're eager for your ways. We're jealous for your plans. You alone know what's ahead. You alone know the day of testing you and you alone know the story you're writing and the glory to be on display in this earth and how you're going to do that. And we want to be a people who are prepared, who are set apart, who know how to turn from our limits to hold what you're pouring out. And so God, I pray for us as a church that we'll be a people that will say, you know, God, your ways in obedience even the things that seem small and the things that seem like they're ineffective or they might not really matter. We see what you've revealed in your word and we honor it today. We honor it today. So God, I pray that you would come. Holy Spirit, teach teach us how to pray and fast. Teach us how to work this into our lives in a way that um, again, gets just gets our containers, the containers of our lives ready for what you're giving and what you're pouring out and what you long to pour into your creation. Because too, God, we just, we know that we long to carry the very, the very well. It is well, very good of God on this earth to display your nature, your acts, your wonders in our day. And so God, I pray for these ones. I pray that, um, that, not that fasting would be easy, but the fasting would be effective in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.